Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW. I am Kelly Patrick coming at you alongside my man Chris Embry, Chris the producer. Chris, how are you this morning? Doing great. How you doing? Doing great. Coming at you every Sunday morning from 9 a.m. until 11 a.m. Talking all things in the world of sports. We have the Breeders' Cup from yesterday. I was actually at so a significant sporting event locally. I think prior to yesterday it had been... 2011, 2010, and 2006 were the last few times, and I don't have that in front of me, that the Breeders' Cup was at Churchill Downs, so in Louisville. Beautiful day for it. It really was. It was a, a great day, and we saw history made with one of the Phillies winning a big race. So we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit more. We have our man Brian the Insider will be calling in, of course, with a, a horse racing update. Kentucky lost, very disappointing loss for Kentucky football. Yeah, it... it uh... Didn't go the way I expected it to. Um, I, I didn't expect them to win, but I, I was hoping they'd keep it within a touchdown. But um, obviously, Louisville just completely got their ass kicked. Yeah, uh, if very, you, very disappointing. The degrees of how low it, things are right now for Kentucky football—that was disappointing. But for Louisville football, it's it's very, very low right now. Expect a, a press conference where they announce Bobby Petrino has been dismissed. I would say very shortly. So I agree. Louisville football. You think it's going to happen during the season? Um, it, I think it may happen after the last regular season game. That probably makes more sense. Um, difficult to fire a coach in the middle of the season and then have a, a, a coach step in. and fi- In football, I don't see that really working out very well. I think you can swing it a little bit more in basketball. Right. Yeah, it don't help the school really to let go of him right now. Uh, you let him play out the rest of the regular season games and um, let him go on his way. I mean, uh, I, I'm upset that I did not put any money down on Clemson. I don't know what I was thinking. To cover? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what was the score, 77 to 16? I've never seen yeah. anything like that. That's, that's bad. Yeah, that's, that's really bad. And just last year, Louisville was com- competing with Clemson. I mean. Right. Um Significant drop-off for the Louisville football program. Yeah, I think that's the biggest uh, whooping they've taken since uh, 1928 or something like that. So that, that should put it in uh Sounds like you've context. done a little research on well, that there, Chris. Well, I've seen some Twitter, uh, some Louisville inside guys post some things with their dis, uh, pleasure of the uh, Louisville team. So, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is, and they're going to get a new coach out of it. So it's not all bad. Some are saying Jeff Brom is already verbally agreed to being the next coach. I don't know. What, 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 what's Purdue right now? Five and four? I believe so. I mean, that's not the best record in the world. So I don't, I don't know what the solution is. My um, description as a, a local guy for years has sounded as if I'm negative Nancy. Um, manage your expectations. Louisville football is not Texas football. That's right. Not Tennessee football. Yeah. Not Nebraska. I could go on for like 25 different schools where I'm like, pump the brakes, guys, with the expectations. Not a football city. Not a football state. Um, It's good to have success and to win. Yeah. Newly expanded uh, stadium there. You can't have empty seats. Um, That's what's inevitable. You know, that's what's going to actually get him uh, fired. Is Uh, the expectations. Yeah. And the people are not there to support uh, the players. And it looks like everybody's given up. Not just the fans, but the players also. They definitely don't look like they are having fun. 
I want to remind our listeners, the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line is 502-384-1450. Give us a call. Get in on the action. We are a sports show where we talk about really whatever the hell we want to. Um, you know, there was a UFC card last night. So MMA and boxing and combat sports trickles into the show pretty consistently. We're on just once a week for two hours. And being Sunday morning, we inherently have the opportunity to kind of break down the fights from the previous night. Um, I'm fortunate here in the state of Kentucky that I'm able to do the commentary for Hard Rock MMA. We have Hard Rock MMA 104, I believe is what it is, coming up Friday, November 30th in Elizabethtown. In studio with us today, we have Brandon Bishop. Brandon is headlining the card. He is a, a pro MMA fighter from right here in Louisville. Uh, Brandon, how are you this morning? I'm doing pretty good. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, as far as an organic feel, I've said it a thousand times. If you go to a local MMA event, okay, specifically, let's say Hard Rock, the largest promotion in the state, and you get a taste of what that is. You see people, uh, I'm sure you'll have quite a few family members and friends make the the 45-minute drive from Louisville to Elizabethtown for yeah, this. Okay, I mean, yeah. it's as organic of a sporting uh, environment, in my opinion, that exists. Brandon, you're, uh, we were talking about it before the show. You're 36 years old. You've been involved in martial arts for a very long time. Give our, our, our listeners a little bit of a recap. Who do you train with? Uh, how did you get started? When did you decide MMA and, and really combat sports was... Your passion. I mean, that's um, what you do. It's It's been a long time coming. You know, so when I first started out, I started with Taekwondo, I think, as a lot of kids did in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with all the movies, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Ninja Turtles and everything was kind of geared towards martial arts, uh, marketing. Did one of your parents help you along? I mean, sign you up for it or were you kind of always drawn to... Uh, I like the idea of kicking and punching. Yeah, well, I mean, I think my mom saw that I was naturally kind of inclined towards it, and um, she felt like that would be a good opportunity for us to do something together. So um, she signed both of us up for Taekwondo uh, at a local school. I'm sorry, both of us? I'm sorry? She signed uh, who? Oh, uh, yeah, myself and her. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know if you were talking about a sibling. No, no, actually her and I together, so it was something that that we did together. Very cool. And um, so we signed up for Taekwondo, and we did that for for a while, which kind of, you know, ignited my fire for martial arts altogether. It kind of solidified the fact that I wanted to do this, you know. And um, after a while, we kind of fell on hard times, and, and I wasn't able to continue, but it was always something that you know, I was still doing on the side on, you know, I was out in the yard practicing against trees and, you know, running around and punching, kicking imaginary opponents. And, um, you know, so it never really left my blood, you know, I was always thinking about it. And then, um, my dad influenced me quite a bit. He kind of showed me some boxing techniques and stuff that he had picked up along the way. So we had, um, you know, I remember he built like a, um, kind of homemade punching bag out in the backyard and we were out there you know punching on that and stuff when I was younger and then um he showed me the UFC when it very first came out and it was in the early 90s you know and uh I was like oh wow man that's that's really cool I was looking at those guys like they were rock stars you know and I was like one day that's going to be me you know and um of course, that was when I was younger, so I didn't have the opportunity quite yet, you know, at that age. So To actually get inside a cage and fight. Right. You know, and we were in a rural area, so there was no... Like, Where'd you grow up at? I was in Lebanon Junction for a while. So, okay. um, you know, pretty small town. Everybody knows everybody, but, you know, 
there's no martial arts going on out there, you know. So um, I had to wait until I got a little bit older and was able to travel and get a little bit of money and put some time and money into it, you know. So I started um, I started training with Louisville MMA, and they were like the first guys around town that were doing any kind of martial arts. Or what year do you think that was? Um, I got with him in 2005. Okay. Uh, so and and who who are some names that we'd recognize there? The Fergusons, maybe? Who? Uh, no, at this time it was Gavin Worth, Jason Y, Brent Weedman. Uh, okay, you know some of the, some of the old school guys that were um, at that point. It was uh, we didn't even have a legitimate mixed martial arts event in Louisville yet at the time. You know? Sure. So um, we were training before all that. We were in Douglas Community Center just going and laying out our mats, our personal mats, and just kind of exchanging information. And um, it went from that to, you know, Brent Weedman, he had some skill on him. So he sure. knew, you know, very he successful stuff, professional so, career. Yeah, exactly. So I think he had just returned from Japan where he had uh, won some competitions over there. So he kind of legitimized some of the skill level we had. We had uh, Ash Bowman came from the Lion's Den, training out of Ken Shamrock's place. So, um, you know, those guys really provided some some legitimacy to our club, you know. And um, after a while, uh, I believe Jason Y decided that he wanted to retire from coaching. So when he stepped down, Adrian uh, Jenkins stepped up and he started Louisville Combat Academy. And I just kind of transferred over to there and I've been training with those guys. Ferguson's jumped in. And so now we're one big happy family over there. Awesome. Prior to each Hard Rock show, I, being that I'm fortunate to do the commentary for the shows recently, I, I try to communicate with the fighters and get a little bit of a background on them. And Chris, you're going to be surprised by this, but when I was messaging on Facebook with you, Brandon, yeah. I said, you know, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing to prepare? You had some cool uh, black belts you've been training with. Yeah. So some stuff that maybe I'd be expecting, right? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I think 10th, is it 10th Planet? 10th Planet, yeah. Yeah. Um, people that you've trained with, which is good for your specifically jujitsu ground game stuff. Right. Um, but you're also doing some armored combat yep. fighting. <laughs> That's the one everybody trips about. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were screwing with me. I, I sent a <laughs> screenshot to my girlfriend and I was like, this guy messing with me. Am I going to say this on commentary that he's been dressing up in, uh, knight's armor. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I was like, I, I'm just not going to say it. And then I kept thinking about it, message you back. Hey yeah. man, are you, are you screwing with me? No, no but it turns right. out you actually dress up in historically accurate right. armored combat yep. and fight other people. Yep, that's right. So it's basically mixed martial arts, but with full accurate weapons and armor. You know, it's not sharp edges. They dull the edges, but, you know, a mace is a mace. So there's no point know. in stabbing with the sword. Right. So they, you You're know, not allowed try. to stab? Right. So Obviously they, it wouldn't puncture, but I mean... Right, and I mean, you know, they're just trying to minimize the opportunity that it could happen, you know, so um, they don't allow you to thrust or stab, but other than that, you know, everything else is pretty much fair game. I saw a story That's recently funny. where not, not armored combat, but, you know, they recreate those things as a guy somehow stabbed himself on accident. Not not in yeah. armored combat, Correct. but a, histor- a guy from Virginia was in, ta- or in Kentucky for some uh, reenactment of, I don't know, a civil war or something like that. Right. Yeah. Accidentally stabbed himself, killed himself. Yeah. So, oh, my God. Do you yeah. see that? <laughs> no, I did. It was yeah. a local story. Did you see it, Brandon? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so from what I understand, he was, um, he was on a horse, and it was kind of like a jousting demonstration. So um, from what I understand, they had a paper plate on the ground, and he was trying to um, – I guess hit the paper plate with his lance, and as he struck the ground, the lance tip broke and flung up and hit him and, and actually killed him. So 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. So are yeah, you a his- history buff or you just somehow stumbled upon this or what exactly draws you to the armored combat? So And who do you do that with? Who's a couple of people, a couple um, names? Ricky we- Realm and Sherman Hand are the guys that you want to talk to if you're interested in getting into that kind of thing. Chris, you, you want to sign up for that? If if you're going, I'm game, man. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. can show you guys where to go. Um, the Louisville Royals is the team and uh, you can look them up on Facebook. But I found out about them by uh, was watching the news in the morning, and they had an event here in Louisville, and they were talking about that on the news. And um, you know, being a combat nerd, that I you know I kind of consider myself, I like just about any kind of combat, you know. So um, when I saw that, I thought, you know, I've been thinking about how cool that would be for a long time, you know. So oh, yeah. I mean, it was still on the news when I was like looking them up on Facebook and messaging them. And I was like, how can I do this, man? You know, and. Um, Ricky and the guys were so uh, inclusive, you know, that when I went to go see him at the show, they took me backstage. They let me hold the weapons, put on the helmets and armor, taking pictures. And, and they were just very, very welcoming and and uh, knowledgeable guys about what they're doing. So um, it was just really easy for me to kind of transition into their team. You know, A lot of MMA fighters who cross over into that or not as much? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't seen a lot of it, but, you know, I'm still kind of new to it too. So, um, you know, I, I really don't have a, a feel for what Do the people have re- records. Is it like matchups similar to MMA or other combat sports where you're like, well, I'm six and one. Right. Well, they do different types of events. So you can do like a one-on-one where it would be very similar to keeping a mixed martial arts record. You know, you would know how many wins and losses you have. Um, but they also do melee events where it would be five on five wow. or ten on ten. Sometimes as much as sixteen on sixteen. And you, you've done this? Uh, no, I haven't done a melee yet. I've just okay. I've been practicing with the team. I haven't done an event yet. But um, you know, the money that I win from my MMA fights goes towards purchasing my armor and weapons. So. Um, and you're, mar- <laughs> you're married and have some kids. Yeah, I'm married and I've got a stepson and a daughter. My stepson is man, he's twenty. Oh, wow. Well, actually, I'm sorry. He just had a birthday. Golly. 21 now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, He's out drinking some. (laughs) Goes fast. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And my daughter's about to turn 10. So Awesome. I actually have a 10-year-old daughter. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. We've got Uh, a good spread going on. So (laughs) so you've been married for a while. What is your wife? uh, Obviously, when she met you, you were already probably into combat sports. Yeah. She came to, uh, I I believe it was my second fight ever she was there. Okay. um, How many amateur fights do you have? Uh, I believe I had 10 amateur fights, and I was like six and four, I think, as an amateur. Seven, something like that. And now now your pro record is? And now I'm five and two as a pro. Five and two as a pro. Yeah, five, two. Well, in the infamous one no contest. (laughs) And you know what's funny is I I knew who you were, and I actually went to a show. I think I saw you fight four or five years ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, so I knew who you were, but I never really spoke with you until a few months ago. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the first thing I mentioned to you was, could be expected from you. Chris probably doesn't know what we're talking about, but how long ago was it? Um, let's see. It was going, I think, six years ago now. Six years ago. He was in a fight against Braden Ward, the same guy that he's fighting in the main event That's for right. Hard Rock MMA 104. That's right. This in, is actually a rematch, yeah. A rematch. Is this yeah. the second time you all fought or third? Uh, no, this would be the second, second. time. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but, all right, so, Chris, they, they were, you know, shooting in on each other and somehow they stumbled into the cage door okay cage door pops open they end up falling out of the cage and so it's it's not only uh i guess infamous locally but in the world of mma it's such a young sport mixed martial arts is right that you know somebody something 
wild happens, it really, especially in today's day and age of social media, it's all over the place. They're like, look, this these people <laughs> fell out of a cage, yeah. right? How much exposure did you guys get? I'm sure that's not exactly what the exposure you were looking for, but how no, much exposure <laughs> did you guys get specifically from falling out of the cage? And, um, and what's your description of it for us? Who I've seen it on video, yeah. uh, but what's your description of it? Well, a lot of people don't know that it, it actually knocked both of us out. Wow. So um, it was kind of like a double whammy. You know, of course, you're, you've seen double knockouts before, and, and we've seen people fall out of the cage before, but you've never seen a, you know two people fall out of the cage and result in a double knockout. So it was like one in a billion chance that something like that would happen. Oh, I've got to check this out it, now. It's pretty wild, yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But, yeah, it was just – it was one of those freak accidents, man. You know, when uh, we were against the cage and he shot in on me, uh, he did kind of what they call a lat drop, and um, – then when he shot in on a second effort, I could kind of surprised me, and I thought, okay, well, I've got the cage behind me, and I'm just going to hit the cage and try and wall walk up, and uh, the cage just wasn't there anymore, and I was, you know, I was conscious on the way down, so I'm thinking, you know, what's what's happening, and then once I hit the ground, you know, blacked you, out. Yeah, that was it. Golly. You know? So I wake up and I'm kind of looking around, and, you know, first thing I'm thinking is I just got knocked out, you know, in an event, so I just lost. I'm thinking, wow, I just got knocked out by a wrestler, man. That's kind of not what I was expecting, you know. Everybody's telling me to calm down, and, and I'm thinking, well, what's, what, you know, I, I feel like I'm pr being pretty calm. What's going on, you know? And then I realized I was outside the cage, and I was like, well, wait a second, you know? And then that's when they told me I fell out. I was like, oh, wow, this is this is crazy. So that was a Hard Rock event. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Um, this is the 10-year anniversary of Hard Rock MMA. Yep. Brandon Hard Rock Higdon and his wife Vanessa are from Elizabethtown, so this is... Yep. You know, they're stomping grounds. Yeah. Uh, ten years in, there's been some memorable things. Obviously, real good fights, great fights, yeah. professional and amateur yeah. fights. Um, but if we're looking back in the kind of the most memorable as far as getting it, you know what I mean? Getting yeah. attention right. uh, in the world of MMA. Unfor very unfortunately, had a, a fighter pass away yeah. a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, Donche White. Donche White passed away uh, at, over at Expo 5 in Shively area yeah. at the, right. the show. Um the cage, guys falling through the cage door is yeah. memorable. I yeah. can't, off the top of my head, what else stands out? Obviously, great fights. So, great substantive fights always yeah. are happening at each show. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as memorable stuff, yeah, that's uh, significant. I forget. I don't think it was at Hard Rock, but there was one that my buddy Gary Thomas and Juan Valley were at where I think one of the fighters won, and then the, the, the guy who, who lost his mom insisted on climbing into the cage did you ever see that <laughs> no. no so i mean there's always funny things it's a new sport yeah. uh, relative to baseball or football or basketball so there's always kind of new curveballs thrown in there yeah. at certain points um as you said it really started in 93 but the 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 sport existing in the state of kentucky i guess didn't really start until you said after 2005 right yeah so that's when we had our first event was 2005 at male high school i think is the first like sanctioned event they had here so um yeah we've been there for, from the beginning man so it's pretty cool long history and a lot of a lot of crazy things but it's been awesome watching these guys come up you know very cool once again i'm kelly patrick alongside my man chris the producer we have brandon bishop in studio with us brandon is headlining the Hard Rock MMA 104 10-year anniversary show, Friday, November 30th in Elizabethtown. I want to remind our listeners, the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzzline is 
888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-346-9144-888-
you say you think the football game in Lexington took attendance away from, what was it, about 80,000 people at Churchill Downs yesterday? You think that's about right? A little over 70, a little over 70. I definitely think it, it is still very successful. I mean, no one's complaining about the attendance, but, I mean, that was the biggest game UK's played in maybe in in modern history. So I know friends of mine who were racist enthusiasts that uh, – that, that that opted to go to the game, and I would have too if I if I was a Kentucky fan. That big game, I may have went there instead of the Breeders' Cup. So, uh, and Lexington is obviously big supporters of the Breeders' Cup. That's where it's founded and based in Lexington. And you know, I can't imagine a lot of them drove over uh, when they could have stayed right in town and uh, watched that maybe make history. So, I think it definitely impacted the attendance. And secondly, I'd say you you, you mentioned you had a. I guess you had a couple drinks, um, but you think maybe someone put something into one of them. How, how many drinks do you have? Do you remember having? I only remember having two and then kind of a blackout. Thing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding you. Uh, I didn't black out. It was just, it was a great day, and we get excited out the track and winning some money. I was big on Accelerate all week, and uh, so it was good to catch that tip. But uh, no, I, uh, I didn't black out, and I don't think anybody spiked my drink, but. Uh, if it would have been, it would have been one of my two sons that I had out there, and I know they wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Also had a, a Philly. We had British Philly enable with a historical uh, performance yesterday. Inform our, our listeners, most of the, the horses we're familiar with are bred here in Kentucky, I guess some in California, but uh, we had a female horse yesterday who's from England. Europe. Uh, Europe, yep. Uh, and, yeah, Europe and made, made, made history. What's the significance of that to uh, the majority of our listeners who are laymen when it comes to horse racing? You're right. That was the, that, that's that's the horse racing community is a buzz this morning over what Enable did. Enable won the Ark. The Ark's the number one race in Europe, and, and it's arguable on which side of the pond you live on. Which the greatest race in the world? If you're over here, you well, you might say the Kentucky Derby, but the rest of Europe considers the arc, which is running a mile and a half, open to anyone, a uh, mile and a half on the turf, will enable the filly, which, tip, it, you know, she's running against Colt. She, one month ago, she won her second consecutive arc, which is amazing, especially for a filly, and that no arc winner has ever won a Breeders' Cup race. And so she, she broke that streak yesterday. She came over, ran against the boys again, and won the, the dirt mile, or the, the turf, so... uh unbelievable performance at three to five and uh, she things didn't go her way the whole race she just is a brilliant mare and uh, man oh man that was the she she's going down in the record book as maybe the greatest one of the greatest mares in the history of the sport but two-time arc winner and for the first time an arc winner comes across the pond one month later and wins a breeder's cup race now when a female horse runs against the male horses philly or mare whatever runs against the the, the males um, they get a, a weight. They get to weigh a little bit more. Is that right, Brian? Weigh a little less. They get a three pound weight concession. So she got. They were going off at one twenty six. She went off at one twenty three. And, and that you know that is a sizable deal. A lot of handicappers don't really look at the weight. Uh, watching the card yesterday, uh, a lot of the weight allowances really did. You know, in the Breeders' Cup Classic, for example, uh, they got I think four pounds. Uh, the three year old Colt. There were no Phillies in the uh, Breeders' Cup Classic yesterday, but the three-year-olds, McKenzie and Catholic Boy, uh, they got four-pound concession to the older horses there. So weight's a big deal, 
And when you're traveling a mile and a quarter and you got four pounds less than a competitor, but yeah, the, the, the Phillies got uh, three pounds uh, weight concession, and uh, and I don't know if that made a difference or not, but uh, she sure was impressive. So they get to weigh less, actually. So I said it in, incorrectly. The, the the Phillies get to come in th- about three pounds lighter than the males. Obviously, in a, a sprint, being lighter helps you the majority of the time. What about the jockeys? Let's let's keep it. We've got an MMA fighter in studio with us. He's got to weigh in at a certain amount. Uh, some reason that's piqued my interest right now. What, how much do the jockeys have to weigh, Brian? Well, they, that, that's where the weight comes from. So if someone's carrying 126, it's all on the jock. So the jock's got to be jock's got to be around 118 pounds or so, uh, maybe less, because uh, let's say the jock, you're, you're on an able and you're going off at 123, and the jock weighs 118, uh, then they're going to put, what's that, five pounds on the jock. So all the weight that's assigned to the horse is carried on the jock. So they just put a little weight on the jockey in a vest, and the jockey carries that, and then they get off to, after the race and they're weighed to make sure it was the same that they put on the whole deal. But the weight's carried on the jockey, so the jockey can't really weigh any more than about 118. And a lot of them like to come in about 116. Wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate the education uh, for everything in the world of horse racing, Brian. We have our man Brian the Insider on Twitter as at the I'm sorry, at Brian the Insider, for, for those of you who want to follow and interact with us here on the show. Brian, thanks so much for the call. Have a great rest of your weekend, recovery, whatever it is you're doing today. We appreciate the, the call in. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you, guys. Enjoy. Thanks for having me on. Have a great show. Good good stuff there from man, Brian the Insider. Breeders' Cup School, the richest day in horse racing. You know, I'm not too in tuned with exactly what goes on in the world of horse racing, but it's fun. That was a, a big race, um, or a bunch of races, the richest day in horse racing. I was able to look at, and a, a couple of the things I paid attention to is I always look at the jockeys, which names do I recognize, the owners, um, but then where the horses are bred. And while I was there yesterday, I noticed the majority of the, the, the horses are always bred in Kentucky, which is cool. Obviously, yeah. we know that. We know, you know, we live here, but it's cool to, I guess, the affirmation to see the world of horse racing still comes through our state. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean, we've got some of the most beautiful farms and some of the most prestigious farms, you know, in the world, let alone, you know, in the United States. You, so, you familiar with riding horses? Uh, yeah, I've been an equestrian for a while, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. For so, some reason, my gut said you, you would say yes to that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, growing up out in Lebanon Junction, we had uh, seven and a half acres, which is not, you know, huge place but enough to keep quite a few horses and stuff on so i had my own horse growing up and everything and i just throw a saddle on him and take off riding somewhere so you know i never participated in any like you know events or anything like that although i did have the opportunity i just like to ride for fun so that's cool just enjoy being around horses you know i think they're beautiful so you 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 probably couldn't make 118 no no i'd have to cut off a leg (laughs) i didn't know they wore weighted vests that's uh news to me I didn't realize that's how they um, evened it out, basically. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, that's new information. Chris, what about you? You ever r- rode a horse? You're, you're, you're not a, not a tiny guy either. I don't want to break its back. Man. <laughs> have you ever rode on a horse? Uh, yeah, I think I have. Yeah, when it you're a kid, or yeah, I was uh, not a full size adult. About twelve years old, or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but not a lot of time. You know, it was just a. You're six five or six six. Six six. six yeah. You're six. Yeah, that'd be a three. 
three thirty on a horse. I don't think that's going to be. Well, I think the horse could ride you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once again, we are the weekend sports buzz coming at you each and every Sunday from nine a.m. until eleven a.m. Uh, we are on the air here, courtesy of our man Dugan Ryan. Here at 96.1 FM, 14.50 AM, we are the only locally owned sports radio station in the city of Louisville and southern Indiana market. What that means is we have, we really have to just answer to our man Dugan Ryan. We have the creative flexibility to each and every Sunday morning come on here, talk about whatever the hell we want to. Um, we don't have a specific template that we have to follow, so... so. Brandon, you know, we appreciate you joining us this morning, uh, previewing Hard Rock MMA 104. Both Chris and I, Chris, you'll be with us, right? Yes. Uh, it's on a Friday, Friday, November 30th. Okay. That good for you? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, Chris has been with, I, I think I said, last five, four out of the last five events or something like that. Yeah. Uh, carrying a camera inside the cage and around the cage, and I've been doing the commentary. That stuff's so fun, man. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. You know, it's one thing to watch it on TV. You know, you get the pay-per-view, and you're excited about a certain fight or something, but, you know, when, you, you're, when you're there and you actually feel the electricity in the air and, you you know, you can smell the sweat and you're right there, you know, and you got a reason to cheer for somebody, it's a totally different experience, totally different. I can't imagine um, the actually getting in and go, being like yeah i'm going into the cage i just cut some weight i'm feeling good i'm gonna get in there and fight in front of all these people that to me that's obviously you know crazy i've competed in a, a few uh grappling yeah. uh tournaments type yeah. stuff but um so that's intense it's similar yeah. that, that's intense to yeah. a degree but getting in the cage they shut the door hopefully that yeah. door stays shut um, <laughs> right <laughs> But, I mean, that that's wild. So, you, you, yeah. you've probably been to a lot of the events also that you haven't fought at, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, Hard Rock just reminded me the last time I was at one of his events that uh, he had just recently looked at some of his emails from back 10 years ago. And he said, you know, I've got emails from you where you were getting so-and-so on a card, you know, 10 years ago when we were very first starting. And even before Hard Rock, I was dealing with Brandon on another organization. Was it Bluegrass? No, uh, it was. I believe it was Warrior FC. At the time. Okay, yeah, he was the matchmaker for another one. Yeah, they've just so. had a lot of success and really, yeah. um, I don't want to say monopolized or cornered the market even, but just thrived yeah. over the last ten years. Hard Rock yeah. has kind of set themselves apart. Yeah, in the sure. state. Yeah, he's really done a great job coming up, and you know he's got a dedicated fan base that's there. I mean, you can see the same faces at almost every crowd every time. You know, it's an interesting business model because uh, in the state of Kentucky, you know, it's not a booming MMA market compared to like Nevada or something or right. New California or New York right, or something. Yeah. But um, they, they're they able to pay fighters, you know, have amateur, majority of the fights are amateur. Right. But on, on most cards, um, you know, there's two or three pro fights. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, a real interesting uh, business model. It, you know, they first and foremost, they probably want to stay in business. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I so they so. can't be, I mean... <laughs> Someone works real hard. They're a real good fighter. They're even maybe undefeated, right. big time prospect. Um, and someone looking in from the outside is like, "Ah, get this guy in the UFC. Why is he not getting paid more?" Right. You only paid him this. You know, right. uh, it, it just kind of is what it is. That the sport is not really where certain other sports. Like if you let's say you'd you'd played baseball and you had the same degree of success you've had in MMA. Right. In specifically baseball, you right. may have made a lot more money oh, sure. at this point than yeah. if you'd yeah. went into baseball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Would you I agree mean, with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I you mean, didn't pick you know, the most lucrative, right. specific. Yeah, I mean, you know, you still see guys from the UFC, 
let's just use McGregor as an example. You see him making a crossover into boxing and making a purse that's, you know, ungodly. 10, ungodly, 20 times you know. more than anything he's even touched before. Right. And uh, you're talking about the highest level, you know, so, I mean, there's there's more money in other sports, but I don't love the other sports. You, and, and at the end of the day, you, you can look back and say, you, you, I would imagine, I was describing this to my girlfriend, Joe Beth, the other day. I was saying, I think that people who have been fighting for a long time, it's an interesting psychology. Like, you keep getting in there and like, I'm going to fight. But yeah. I know that, you know, I, I've got in there and fought people. You probably have perfect, um, I would imagine, peace of mind with, yeah, yeah that's what I did. I, I, I've fought people and, you know, that's I'm a fighter. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's much regret probably right. yeah, that goes I mean, into that. You know, I think I would have more regret if I had the notion to do it and didn't then Sure. Then That's to, right. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I don't want to be the guy that wonders what if. You know, if, if I've got something on my mind that I want to do, something I want to accomplish – I'm going to try my best to accomplish that goal because, you know, if I fail, that's fine. If I, if at least I tried, you know, that's but, right. but if I, if I never tried, then, you know, there's, there's um, a burden that comes with that to me. So, you know, I think that um, martial arts is one of those things that, you know, it was a goal that I wanted to accomplish. It was something that I wanted to do. And um, it's a challenge, you know, every time it's, it's scary, man. You know, you're getting locked inside of a cage with a guy that knows how to, to beat you up you know i mean this, right. this is a professionally trained guy who uh, you know i mean I, the way i look at it is you know i mean if you're a professional fighter that's where the majority of your money comes from you, you know that's what you do for a living but i don't make enough money to call myself a professional fighter i'm a guy that installs fiber optics, but you are you know? a professional fighter yeah i mean you said I your get, record's I, five and two yeah i mean i get i do get paid to do it but you know there's a difference i think in in the guys who um make a little side change like I do. And then the guys who make enough money that that's what they do all day, every day. How many people know? are there on the face of the planet who are professional MMA fighters by that definition? Then right. not many. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, your upper level guys, the UFC yeah. roster, the Bellator yeah. roster. Yeah. Those guys, you know, but to make it to that point is, is just blood, sweat and tears for years and years and years. I mean, people don't really see how much work and effort you have to put in just to get one fight, let alone to, to build up a record that's going to allow you to step into a position like Bellator or UFC that could pay you to do that full time. You know, yeah. I mean, this is definitely not an easy game and it's something that you have to, you have to know how to market yourself. You know, you have to put, you have to know how to put yourself in a position that will get you noticed. You know, you have to know how to present yourself in a way that's going to be good for the sport and good for your team, good for you. And um, that's where a lot of, of the guys fall short because they love the fights. They love to fight, mm -hmm. but maybe they don't know how to market themselves or maybe they're not the best talkers or, you know, maybe they don't represent their team because they've got bad behavior outside the gym or, sure. you know. So I think a lot of those things keep guys from, from going where they could go. But, um, you know, if you've got the right formula and, and you're doing everything right, man, it just takes time. You know, you put in the work and the effort and, you know, maybe somebody will notice you. Beyond the potential to earn money so getting paid specifically from your fight purse okay beyond that i would imagine somewhat what you alluded to that if you handle yourself well outside of the cage and right. with training and you probably sure. meet a bunch of great people oh yeah and yeah. could lead i don't know you said uh, fiber optics yeah. whatever job you do outside mm -hmm. maybe somehow had been tied into some people you met through the fight game right yeah and that's actually that's exactly what happened the job that i was I just now, guessing yeah the job i have now came through a friend of mine that i met through fighting so okay um you know it, it seems like my 
my martial arts has kind of infiltrated every part of my life. Sure. You know? So it's like I'm either, uh, you know, meeting new friends through the gym or through opportunities like being able to come here, for example, and, sure. and hang out with you guys for a couple of hours. And, um, you know, so it's like you never know where where those things will lead. You know, so you just always have to be able to put your best foot forward and, and present yourself in a way that's going to allow you opportunities, you know, um, sponsorship deals and things like that. You know, you want you want people to want to be associated with you, you know, versus just staying focused on the fight. That's that's all you do. And then you go in and you fight and then all your money is just coming from the from the fight. And that's it. You know, sure. So, you know, marketing is a big part of, of what you do if you want to try and push yourself. Do you teach any martial arts? Uh, I teach a little bit on the side at the gym. I don't like to. I don't like to consider myself a coach, but I do kind of help out a little bit. You know. Okay. So I teach the kids class out there on Sundays you, and stuff. You do. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. What do you teach? What do you teach um, the kids? You know, I try and stick to uh, basic, more I guess, more like um, principles and ideas versus specific techniques. Okay. So rather than it's not just a jujitsu class, though. Right. I'll I'll teach them pretty much every aspect of mixed martial arts. So I'll teach you know, a little bit of striking. I'll teach a little bit of grappling. I teach some jujitsu. Um, but, you know, I leave the technique portion up to Adrian and, and those guys because sure. they're they're more the uh, the technique coaches. So I kind of give the kids, like, um, basic movements. We'll go over, like, Granby rolls or, um, you know, sit-throughs and, sit you know, basic movement drills. You know, we'll do footwork drills and stuff like that. And then I give them uh, kind of like a principle or overall idea. Like, um, for example, if, if uh, you're trying to keep somebody on the ground, you know, just occupy the space above them, mm. you know, and that makes it more difficult for them to get up. So if you're like ma- mounting them. Right. So rather rather than maintaining them, mount drills, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, well, rather than giving them one specific technique or two or three techniques that's going to keep someone pinned to the ground, I can just give them an idea that says, look, if I occupy the space above them, then then it's going to be more difficult for them to get up. And whatever they do with that is what they do with it. So, and you, they kind of practice it. Right. And then they get the techniques from, you know, the other coaches. I train at Dracy Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky under Professor Scott Smith. And I've been fortunate recently to be involved in t- some of the teaching of the kids' classes. Yeah, it's a great school. Thank you. Yeah, it really is. Um, but – the impact and the relationship I've kind of formed with the parents of those kids I'm teaching yeah. is kind of what prompted me to say earlier that if you handle yourself with mm-hmm. in a respectful manner, sure. I would imagine the people that you have positively impacted their lives through coaching their kids or, or coaching them, right. um, those are the people that will go to bat for you in any aspect of your life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I think that um, that's the most rewarding aspect of, of what I'm doing you know, especially working with the kids is developing a relationship with, with the kids and, you know, teaching them lessons about life, not just martial arts. You know, it's, it's more than, you know, we, we transcend, you know, punching and kicking and we, we talk about, you know, bullies and we talk about feelings and we talk about, you know, what to do when we're angry and, you know, when, when people have done things wrong to you, how to appropriately react to that. You know, we talk about, vocabulary words and so they're learning a lot more than just martial arts you know very cool once again we have brandon bishop in studio with us brandon is uh one of the pro fighters who will be competing on hard rock mma 104 friday november 30th in elizabethtown the oxmoor chrysler dodge jeep and ram buzzline is 502-384-1450 we would love to hear from you we're gonna head to the buzzline now where we have blue is on the line with us 
Blue, how are you this morning? I'm doing real good, Kelly, uh, to you and your guests. Hey, hey, Kelly, you know I like, I like to touch around on different topics. So I'll start off with Bobby uh, Petrino, man. He makes me sick, man. If, if I were Bobby, I, I would quit now. I, I would save all, all the press and all the kind of, you know, crazy talk. Go on, quit. And, and look at it this way, Bobby. You're not quitting on your players. They've already quit on you, man. So you just got to go and give it up, man. You make me sick, man. It's disgusting, Kelly. <laughs> it really is, man. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. It really is. And um, uh, to Kentucky football, man, I still think they're good. The bottom line is they just made a better team, man. I, I mean, the defense is great. I mean, I love them. love to watch them play. Um, and and, and uh, I like them, man. I really do. But just made a better team. Everybody's going to read Alabama. Alabama's the greatest. Uh, Kentucky basketball, I want to get Chris's comment. In the paper this morning, it's, it goes, Kentucky basketball, national championship or bust. I'm going to say this to y'all, man. Kentucky basketball, from what I've seen so far, you know, I've seen a lot of basketball. To me, they're going to be, with the exception of Tyler Hero and an experienced player like Travis Reed, with the, they're, they're just another good team with a lot of great athletes. That's all Calipari knows is athletes, man. Get some shooters, man. Like Tyler Hero, that's why I like Kentucky first. They've always had great shooters like Duke. To me, Tyler Hero reminds me of a player that should be playing at Duke. I don't get no offense, but he looks like a, a Duke player. I mean, he really does. He, he not only is he athletic, he can shoot. That's what Calipari needs more of, man. So, a, 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 so Chris, give me a comment about about the you know bust and ass championship. I think they're just another good team with great athletes. Enjoy your show, Kelly. Thanks, man. Great call there from our man Blue. I say it uh, week in, week out. Blue is awesome. I love Blue's calls. Oh, yeah. appreciate the call. You boy. know what I like about Blue is uh, the other day, I think last week or a couple weeks ago, Chris told me, I've said, you know, we didn't hear from Blue today. What do we do? Do we piss him off? And Chris yeah. said, you know, when he doesn't call in, he does call in. When you're talking about other things and he says he doesn't want to be on the air and he just chimes in. Right. <laughs> yeah. Blue, we love you, Blue. We love awesome. your calls. Thank you so much for your support, Blue. Chris. Yeah, uh, what, are you, what are your responses? Blue, obviously Kentucky fan, right? Said he read the, the headline that said Kentucky basketball national championship or bust. Blue saying bump the brakes on that. Um, looks like another Cal team with athletes that doesn't really have basketball players or shooters. Now maybe I'm jumping a little bit into what he's saying and yeah. running with it, but he's saying athletic players. The, the expectation should not be a championship for this Kentucky basketball team. Chris, your thoughts? Well, I think uh, he's correct on one thing. Uh, no team should have the pressure on them to say championship or bust. That That's absurd. But you did predict this Kentucky now, team will win the national championship. That, absolutely. Okay. Now, I think I would uh, change that to Final Four or bust. Okay. I mean, now, What's bust mean? Fire cow? No, no. <laughs> okay. Hey, the only way you fire Cal is if he misses. Well, not even misses the tournament. You're not firing Cal. No, no. Unless no. some video comes out of him paying players or that, something. Right. Or he has to. But uh, you know, I I understand um, Blue's comments about uh, having a bunch of athletes. I think we we have a uh, well-rounded team in Kentucky. But uh, you know. We really have to wait until we see what happens Tuesday. There's not really anything to gauge uh, the team on uh, until we see them go against Duke. You know, we're going to have number two versus four Tuesday night at 930. And uh, once uh, we see what happens in that game, uh, then I can uh, 
you know, I, I can give you a better idea. Right now, we, we really don't know. And I wouldn't go specifically on their uh, shooting numbers right now. I think they're actually a better shooting team than they've shown. They definitely showed it in uh, the Bahamas a couple months ago. So, uh, And these two uh, exhibition teams that they played were actually very uh, good veteran teams in their league, Division Two and NAI. So, uh, you know, well, uh, I understand the uh, frustration uh, in certain things that uh, Calipari has uh, keyed in on certain recruits, and uh, I-, I think we're going to be a great team, and you just got to give this team time to gel. All right, what, I'm going to get to his Bobby Petrino comments here in just a moment, but what do you think of his statement that Tyler, Tyler Hero, specifically Tyler Hero, looks out of place, and that, that he's a guy that seems like he'd play for Duke, um, and not so much Kentucky. Well, it's because he's a pretty boy, white boy that you normally see on uh, Duke's team. And uh, I, I kinda, what does that mean? That sounds to me like well, he's substantial um, addition to the roster. Is that he's oh, a real he, good shooter, good athlete, but but I mean, you need to be able to put the ball in the basket. Well, H- how significant is Tyler Hero to this team? He's going to be one of the main uh, top two or three scores on the team. I, I think one of the uh, things that he's probably worried about is his uh, defensive uh, pressure on the other side of the ball. Duke is known for having these guys that can shoot lights out, and then when they get on the other end of the uh, court, they can't play a lick of defense. Now, I wouldn't put uh, Tyler Hero in this category. I think he uh, definitely uh, can improve in his defense, but um, teams will try to uh, exploit his defense uh, – and we'll probably see them try to do that on Tuesday. But, um, you know, I wouldn't trade Tyler Hero for anybody else at his position, really. I think he's going to be a standout player. Is he a three? Yeah. Kelton Johnson? Yeah. Is a three also? Yeah. Those two will, uh You said you wouldn't trade him for anyone. Well, we've, we've got them both, so we don't have to do a trade, right? So. Okay, so anyone else out in the country. Yeah. Okay. That's about it. Now, yeah. now Blue also said Bobby Petrino might as well give up because the players – and I guess the coaching staff, which is a lot of his, like his son and son-in-laws and stuff like that, right. they've all quit on him. Yeah, seventy-seven to sixteen. And you know what? That is that's the is, worst I've ever seen. That's bad. That's, that's not bad. good. That's, that's Does that sound good for a football score to you? That's, seventy-seven that's to sixteen. Yeah. Could oh. you imagine though um, having a contract that protects you to where you can just lay down and let all this fall apart around you, and you still get paid twenty? Well, a lot million. of coaches have some of that though. I know it's yeah. It almost looks like though he wants it to collapse because he don't seem agitated. He doesn't seem to be fighting for his position to you know to stay at Louisville. Uh, his daughters put out some things on uh, social media about keeping him around but uh i don't i think it's over i mean i think the guy i don't know what the solution is either i don't know that jeff brom will mat even if they get jeff brom i don't know that he'll magically come in sure they won't lose many recruits locally which is significant to a program like louisville that's right and that's a good point that's what i've been trying to tell people you can have the same problem with brom two or three years down the line yeah uh, you want to make sure that you're getting the right candidate. Yeah, Brom's hot right now. Let's see what he can do. I mean, he's already in the Big Ten, and he's doing good at uh, Purdue. But Doing good? He's 5-4. and four. Yeah. Well, for Purdue, I guess. Uh, three of those games Would where, the Louisville fans be happy if he was at Louisville and they were 5-4? and four? No. That's what I mean. I mean, well, 
Right. Uh, and they have better. Well, I, I don't know what the solution is. They need a recruiter. They need to go away from this old regime. Quit trying to bring in old coaches or people connected to your school. Just you know get, what's funny is a lot of people, or not a lot, but some people have been saying bring Charlie Strong back. That's crazy. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, what the hell? What the hell is going on here? I, I'm fortunate that I'm a sports fan. I like MMA. I like the NBA. I like NFL. I, I've got all sorts of different ways that I look. I, I don't need my sports fix to be satiated by Louisville football. So I'm good. Yeah. But <laughs> for the people who that's kind of their bread and butter, this is a bad day. I mean, right. this is not good right now. This is not good. If, if Louisville football is what you hang your hat on, not a good day. You, you know, my my take on this is Louisville needs to get away from anybody connected to the old regime, and that includes Brom. Yeah, because Brom was a coordinator under Bobby Petrino. Yeah, and, you know. But I don't know who the magical solution is either. I, I My suggestion is to the Louisville football fans, if you're real tied up in it, maybe just find some different hobbies. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but you can't think that Louisville is going to catch lightning in a bottle each and every year. Who are they going to bring in? Les Miles? Or uh, uh, I don't know. Who, who, who are they going to bring in that's going to make Louisville a, a perennial national power? Like the, the fan base seems to feel they deserve? I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on, Chris. Look, they need to – My, if I was them, I would want somebody with uh, – sort of like how Mark Stoops was brought in. You need to bring in somebody young enough with the pedigree, with the pedigree that can do some things. Okay, you know maybe an I'm offense cool with that. or defensive coordinator, something like that. But in hindsight, had they kept Charlie, that would have been great. It would have. They brought in a guy from who, who had most of his success, I guess, uh, in Florida. Um, was on the Notre Dame staff at one right. point, and had the the, the he had cultivated a, a resume. And then he comes in and he's a good hire. You just then got to keep him, I guess, and rebuild the tradition. Well, build the tra- no, I'm sorry, build the tradition. Right. And the reason why he ultimately left was due to, I don't know if I'm g- going too far yeah, here. Yeah, you feel him. free. Feel free. Uh, he was sleeping with the booster's wife, right? <laughs> so you can't uh, stick around when you've, when you've done something like that. Yeah, if you take that out of the mix – then he probably never would have left. So we'll see. Uh, I love Charlie uh, Strong, though. We're, we're up against it at the end of the first hour. I want to remind our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, which is 502-384-1450. I'm Kelly Patrick. At the Kelly Patrick on Twitter, we got Chris the producer at Sky Vault on Twitter. We got Brandon Bishop who will be headlining Hard Rock MMA 104 Friday, sure. November 30th in Elizabethtown. Brandon, before the end of the hour, how can people support you? I mean, with social media. I mean, what, what, what? You know, how could someone support you? Give you a like and somehow be a Brandon Bishop follower. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. I've got a Brandon Bishop MMA page on Facebook. That's probably about the best way to do it. So okay, I appreciate the plug there. So no problem. That's about the only social media I'm on. So I'm not with current with the times or anything. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, We're going to head to a break. We appreciate everyone tuning in to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Be sure to stay tuned. We will be right back.
Sorry about that. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Chris Embry, Brandon Bishop, talking all things in the world of sports, specifically combat sports with Brandon. Big fight last night. There was UFC. Was it 230? I forget what it was. I'm such a bad fan now. Are you? Yeah. I don't don't know what event we're on. I, I don't know. I didn't even watch it. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't either. I didn't either. But um, you know who Daniel Cormier is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know who Derek Lewis is. Oh, yeah. Um, very quick turnaround from Derek Lewis being um, really injected into the, na- the mainstream of sports um, by his comments after beating the, the Russian guy, okay? Coming in. R- Rogan... Rogan uh, interviewed him immediately afterwards, and he took his shorts off and said, "My balls was hot," and made a reference about smoking marijuana, which is legal now. And, and you know, he he had some uh, legal backing to do that. Okay, so I mean, he wasn't bre- breaking the law, but now the casual the casual fans out there know who Derek Lewis is. Yeah, yeah. So so there, yeah. if we're talking about the marketing side of things, um, that, that that we mentioned it earlier, that's a big part of it. Yeah. And uh, Derek Lewis seems to be, as far as his skill goes, maximizing that as well as anyone out there. Yeah. What do you think of that statement? Me saying, as far as his skill goes, Derek Lewis right now is maximizing his marketability. Conor McGregor obviously has also done that. Beyond his in-cage ability, he has exceeded that many times over. Conor, everybody knows that. But I think Derek Lewis, who did have a big impressive knockout win recently, has really struck a, a nerve with the, the national sport. You know who he is now. Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> How do you know who, I, who he is? Well, Did you watch that event live? No, I didn't. Okay. But I seen the video of what you just described, him talking to Joe Rogan, and uh, the guy is very entertaining. Uh, he's not the, a guy that I would picture being in MMA, so that makes him even more likable yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I pull for guys like that. So now that- everybody does. Everybody loves Derek Lewis. It's awesome. I follow him on Instagram, and he's very entertaining. You know, he has no filter as far as well. That's inappropriate. I'm not going to put that on my page. He, you know, <laughs> nothing like that. Um, which is awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. He's definitely entertaining, and you're right. He is maximizing uh, his scope. And more and more people know who this guy is, and I think it's great for MMA, for UFC, obviously. Are You You said you're a bad fan. You are a fan of the UFC. Is oh, that- yeah, yeah. I just um, 
I don't watch as intently as I used to. You wow, know, there's I, so many events. Yeah, there's there's so much to watch now. I mean, there's so many different types of events. You got you know Bellator and One FC and you know UFC and all these different you know organizations to watch. So it's difficult to keep track of everything now. And you mentioned one. They they made waves recently with a big trade. Yeah, yeah. What That's, do you think of that? Um, I th- you know I think it's setting a good precedent. Honestly, I mean I think it could work out to a fighter's advantage if if they know you know, kind of how, again, how to market themselves. And for those of our listeners who are not familiar, uh, one FC had Ben Askren mm-hmm. on roster. Ben Askren is a very accomplished wrestler. Yeah. Where did he wrestle in college? You, you have it. Um, I forget. Oh, no, see. Uh, division one school, but I mean, he's considered to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. Okay. So he, he, uh, his style is not conducive to, exciting fights right so dana white the president of the ufc has made it a point to not really wanting him around right he called him a boring fighter said he wasn't necessarily interested in having him on the roster so you know which i disagree with honestly i mean you know of course you don't think there's such thing as a boring fighter well i think there can be less exciting fights and i think that certain styles can make for that but again you know as a martial artist you know i'm, I'm looking at the fight you know, a little bit differently than I think what a casual fan would be. So, you know, whereas a casual fan would want to see, uh, you know, a knockout or, you know, quick, exciting fight action the whole time, <clears throat> you know, I don't mind to sit back and watch somebody take their time and methodically get somebody into a specific position. And, you know, so I, I guess I look at it a little bit differently, but, you know, I could see where a, a fan would say, you know, he's boring. I'm not interested in watching that. You know, of course, that equates to money to Dana. So I get it, but. I disagree that Askren is a boring fighter. So for, for once again, a recap of what that is, is Ben Askren did wrestle. I just double checked it. It was at Missouri, the same place as Tyron Woodley. That's right. Um, So he was a real successful division one wrestler, very accomplished in his style. If you go watch a fight, his style is to wrestle people. And what that means is not to really necessarily throw a bunch of punches or kicks, but just to, wrestle them to the ground, control them, make them miserable throughout the fight. Yeah. It's effective. Wrestling, I would say, you know, I, I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu f- like five days a week. I love it. But if there's one foundation that I think translates to MMA the, the, the most, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, I, I, I would still say it's wrestling. Yeah, right? I think so too. I just had this conversation with a guy at the gym the other day. I think if you were to take a, an accomplished wrestler who's never done any other martial arts and you put him into a mixed martial arts situation, I think he would fare better than someone who's only done just boxing or only, you know what I mean? Like, I guess it like in the sense of the original UFC idea sure. that if you were to stylize and then put these styles up against each other, I think wrestling probably would have an edge on most other uh, martial arts. So I think to, to just add some punches and some uh, jujitsu defense to that would, would, kind of already make you a decent MMA fighter. But right behind that would be, um, uh, I guess, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu would be close. Yeah, I would uh, agree, yeah. Muay Thai kickboxing, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And those are really the top three styles that I draw from in my mixed martial arts. Or what? Uh, Muay Thai, wrestling, and Jiu-Jitsu. Because I feel like that covers all three of your bases. Western, traditional Western-style boxing also. You know, yeah. the Diaz's maybe don't do a lot of yeah. as many kicks, I don't think, and stuff like that. More right. of boxing. So, I mean, kickboxing encompasses that. Right. More yeah. Thai kickboxing. Does. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, we draw a little bit from the Thai style and a little bit from, you know, the Dutch style. They're, they're all a little bit different as far as um, how kicks are thrown or what 
order the combinations are thrown in and that kind of thing. So they differ a little bit. Also, maybe French savat kickboxing. Yeah, yeah, throwing you know a little bit of everything. So yeah, a lot of creative ways to use your you know sure. kicks and punches. Yeah, and, and knees and you elbows. You know, my taekwondo background affords a lot of you know stuff that you don't necessarily see as traditional in mixed martial arts. But it does know. translate. Yeah, it translates really well. You know, I, I think the kids that come from a taekwondo background, you know, or get a little bit of wrestling or something like that, they're going to be excellent starters for MMA, you know. Once again, I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Chris, the producer, Chris Embry. We got our man Brandon Bishop in studio with us. We appreciate everyone tuning in this morning. The Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line is 502-384-1450. We would love to hear from you. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We have our man Carolina Steve is on the line with us. Carolina, how are you this morning? Just fine. I have a question. Yes, yes, sir. MMA, what, why is Brock Lesnar, why is it, uh, WWE making him the heavyweight champion when he's going to go fight for the uh, MMA championship? You know, that's a good question because uh, I'm not typically a uh, WWE fan, but I was flipping through the channels the other day and I saw Brock Lesnar on there and I did hear a little bit about that and I, I kind of posed the same question to myself. If he's supposed to be making a return to the UFC, then... I wonder how they're going to write in a, a break for him into the WWE. I, I, I think I may have some insight per UFC, the action from last night, and I, I'm Googling it as we speak, but I saw a couple tweets about Daniel Cormier had said something last night after his win maybe um, about Brock Lesnar. Because if you remember, when, when, when Daniel Cormier beat Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight title, Brock Lesnar came into the cage. You yeah. saw that. Yeah. You guys saw. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Carolina, that's a very uh, relevant, topical, good question for the, the world of combat sports. The crossover, it's all marketing is the answer. Mm-hmm. It's all how can Dana White and Vince McMahon make money? That's right. the answer, Carolina. I don't know ex- the details, but that's the answer. And you know what? I, to a degree, I'm okay with it. Carolina, what do you think of Brock Lesnar? I don't. I think it's uh, they're messing with a, a good young wrestler in uh, Braun Strowman, whose real last name is Cher. His father was probably the greatest home run hitter in slow pitch softball. Okay, <laughs> in slow pitch. Okay. His father's name was Rick the Crusher Cher. He played for Howard's Furniture out of Denver, North Carolina. Howard's Furniture is a real good slow pitch softball team out of Denver. <laughs> they were uh, they were world champs several times, and I got to see them play and everything. Now, let's get into the debacle in the valley yesterday. Oh my goodness! I know you have thoughts on this. Seventy-seven to sixteen was the final. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the Louisville and Clemson game yesterday? I thought. And I've, I've been following, I follow Clemson social media real close. And oh, there was a thing where Petrino said that his team did not quit. He said he just got beat to death. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I kind of I liked the, uh, his take on that. But I think that it's time that, number one, Louisville bite the bullet, pay Petrino, get rid of him, and get a coach in here, but it doesn't have to be Brock. Just get a coach in here that will recruit and not make excuses like they are now and everything. 
And, I mean, you know, used to this Clemson uh, Louisville game, that was the, the night game, the big game. This It was relegated to the 12 o'clock slot, uh, slot this year. Right. Yeah. Who, who would you like to see uh, replace Bobby Petrino? Do you have anybody else you think uh, would be better than Brom? Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he played football. Actually, he did. He, he was on the roster for the Vikings or the practice squad. Yeah, bring Brock Brock Lesnar in. I'm okay with that. <laughs> what What about the coach at Memphis? What's his name? Caroline. I'll bring that up. You think You think the coach? coach I'm, not, I'm not familiar with. Uh, I don't remember his name, but he's done a good job. Yeah, he that. has. You're right. So. Uh, and, there's other coaches in the uh, AAC who are good coaches. And, could do it, and they're doing it with far less talent than what Bobby has. While we have you on the air, I wanted to ask you, uh, if Clemson does uh, match up with Indi- oh, I'm sorry, with uh, Alabama, what's your take on uh, your team going against uh, Alabama this year? I think we're the only team in the nation can beat them. I, I can agree with that, yeah. It looks like uh, – I think. Both of those are above everybody else, and there's a good gap between those two uh, and the rest of the pack. Yeah, there is. It, is, it seems like that uh, Dabo does a good job recruiting. If you'll notice, Dabo has not lost many assistants since he's been there. And Dabo, this is his 10th year there. And if he wins one more game this year, this will be eight straight years with a 10 victory season. Wow. That's pretty impressive. It is, and he's uh, he's got he's already got five stars coming in for next year. Uh, he's supposed to have the number one quarterback for uh, 2020 coming in, and that'll be just about right because that'll be when Trevor will be leaving and everything. And it, it's just he used to hear, hear the old adage, uh, "Don't uh, don't uh, you reload." You don't rebuild. That's that's basically what Clemson's been doing. Uh, whether people realize it or not, they played a freshman with that uh, with that defensive front that they had, Xavier Thomas, and he's just as good as the seniors there. Yeah, they're definitely loaded with high power. I, I would players. say they're loaded with high high power uh, talent. Yeah. Oh, Seventy-seven yeah. to sixteen. Yeah, I mean, was Dabo Swinney doing that on purpose? Can we say he was running the score up and he's a jerk, Carolina? No, I don't think he did. He tries to. If you notice, the week before he got a touchdown for uh, Wilkins, and this week he got a touchdown for uh, his son, Dexter Lawrence. His son got one. Too. His, yeah, Will got one, and he tried to get a pass complete. You know, he's got another son playing on the team. Yeah. And he tried to get a pass completion for him. And uh, it's just that he's uh, it's a, he's he's an amazing coach. And plus, he had his coach down there this week looking at him. He comes from pretty good stock because Gene Babe Stallings from Alabama was his head coach. Great stuff there, Carolina. We, as always, we appreciate your call and your contributions to the show, Carolina. Before we let you go... Anything else you want to chime in on? Well, my main thing is they're starting this basketball too early. Basketball should be started after Thanksgiving, not now. Kentucky playing uh, Duke right now. 
they shouldn't be playing this game. They they should, uh, they should but wait. Could could the, you know the teams do this and all this stuff with the basketball, uh, with the FBI football? They've abolished the program at SMU. They they don't want to do it for basketball. I say if you caught cheat, abolish the program. Y'all have a nice day. Great stuff there as always from our man Carolina Carolina Steve. You know he he has some of the more blue said he likes to hit on a little bit of everything, right? Remember? That's right. Uh, Carolina also likes to hit on a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. He referenced in his call today the greatest home run hitter in the history of slow-pitch softball. Uh, he did. And he was dead serious, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's making that up. I, he said it referenced some furniture store team in Denver. I, that's I, a good one. That's, a, I, that's I, amazing. You know, yeah, that's new to me. I'm I'm not staying up on enough sports, man. That made me feel really inadequate. Adequ- is what we yeah, are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, no, but in all seriousness, Carolina talking about how stacked uh, Dabo Swinney and, and Clemson is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches. It's I- almost like it's Alabama, Clemson. I guess Ohio State. They lost to Purdue, though. Yeah. So I guess it's those two kind of at the top of the college football world. Yeah, right now, right? One of those two are going to win the championship. I don't think anybody else has a chance, really. It seemed like Florida State had some momentum over the past few years at certain points. Right. But well, obviously, I don't know exactly what's going on there, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's just... Uh, Jimbo Fisher and then now uh The rich uh, keep getting richer. I mean, it's with, with those two teams, I could see... It's sort of like, um, you know, women's college basketball, how you... Gino Ariema's stacked it. It's in prior to that, it was Tennessee doing it. Yeah, so hopefully we get some more teams uh, in there that can compete with these two. But uh, as of right now, they are the cream of the crowd. I always try to look at sports like from a perspective a little bit. I'm referencing always how the MMA's only existed since 1993, right. and in its current format, even more recent than that kind of. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's interesting to me that college basketball, when it was really Early on, UCLA dominated. They won like 11 titles or something yeah. crazy, right? Yeah, 11 and – well, they won 10 in 11 years. Okay, so, so we saw that, okay? We saw college – women's college basketball do a similar thing with Tennessee and then Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of sports go through that, and then parity ends up prevailing over time, which I think kind of leads to the health of the sport or whatever you want to say. But college football seems to kind of go the other way. That's right. Right? Yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't know what there is to that. Every every different sport's kind of a different animal, so it's difficult to draw too many parallels. But is that good for college football that we know it's going to be Clemson in Alabama? I don't think so. You've got uh, 30, 35 other schools out there who are just furious right now with their head coaches right. thinking they should be there. Yeah, it, but it's not. It's it's a that's why Easy I, to say who's going to win it. Yeah, I, I think that's why they need to go ahead and expand this to an eight-team uh, playoff mm-hmm. and uh, let some of these other teams come in here, like um, uh, Charlie Strong's team down there in Florida. Um, give them a shot by adding. Four Didn't they lose? Points. Oh, did they lose? I think they lost to. to I think they lost. Was it to? to uh Tulane? Oh, if they did, he they yeah. definitely would not be. Making I think it. they lost yesterday. I'll check that out. Um, but you know, there's uh yeah, there's too much. All the great players. It's sort of like in basketball, but it, the thing is, in basketball, you have to win six games uh, to win it all. In football, you know, 
who has the parody thing mastered? The NFL? I Down so. to a T, where the, the all the fan bases are engaged. Beginning of the season, maybe there's quarterback controversies, but yeah. you can still get hot and maybe win a Super Bowl. Or make so. a run. and Make it, make it, because baseball, I can head into a season. I'm a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan. I know that they suck. They're right. not going to be good next year. Okay, so I, you go into it that way. I don't know that baseball has the parody thing mastered. I think NFL is is they're at least every team is at least a year, couple years away from making a legitimate run. That's right. I think it is the best one for parody. So for the sake of that, that's the best product out there. Yeah, NBA is good too. But the the numbers. I don't show. know about parody with the NBA. Actually, right. I, I, I retract that statement. You look at the numbers, not just attendance, but how much money they bring in in the NFL. It, it pretty much speaks for itself. You've got a lot of people throughout this country and beyond uh, watching that product. It's they've they've got it down pretty good. So, what do you think they're doing differently with their format that the other sports aren't doing? The this? NFL, yeah. You know, it's it's hard to tell if it's because of the. Salary. Caps. They do have a good salary cap in place. System. Baseball has had a salary cap for years. That's basically a joke. Yeah. Where we have teams like the Yankees who are going to, yeah, they're going to get better players because they can pay more. Right. They have to pay a luxury tax. That's right. They have, but a still, yeah, the, the loopholes. It, it makes baseball richer, right? And it's good for the financial health of of the major major league baseball. But um, I think the NFL, they have a draft in place. Um, I don't know. I guess they've enforced the salary cap better. I don't know that parity is necessary. See, comparing all these sports, and then we got MMA, right, or boxing, even they're just different animals, aren't right. they? Yeah. You know, I I think another thing, if you look at the NBA, uh, the NBA, if you're comparing it to the NFL, uh, you have the lottery system, and the bottom teams uh, can tank. Right to in the get, NBA in the NBA to get one of those higher draft picks. Mm-hmm. So, but but they try to Rick Pitino in 1997 coached Kentucky and I, did they win it in 97? No, they they lost, lost to Arizona. Arizona. Okay, yeah. but 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 he wanted to get Tim Duncan. He thought statistically, if he accepted the head coaching job at Boston Celtics, statistically he had the strongest likelihood of going there and drafting Tim Duncan, who he thought was this all time great, which obviously he, he was. was. Yeah, yeah, he was in hindsight. Um, okay, so. But the lottery and the ping pong balls means statistically you have the strongest likelihood, but it's not a guarantee. That's right. So the NBA does try to combat what you're describing. Yes, because there was way too much tanking before they allowed seven or eight teams to get in the lottery. Teams still tank, though. Yes, they Cle- sure do. Cleveland tanked to draft LeBron. Absolutely. And look what's happened to them. They, they got two uh, first-round draft picks, and they are horrible. Right, I mean Cleveland. They, yeah, not just because they just fired their coach. That's right. You know, obviously they lost LeBron. But they lost, they won a title in that entire LeBron thing. They got one title, so I guess it was worth it. I yeah, I guess so. But uh, Steve, our man Steve Driver's not in studio with us today. But if you'd ask him, he'd say he got us a title. Mission yeah. accomplished. A, a title starved town. It's got a title. Yeah. Now it's, it, you know through LeBron, it wasn't due to their draft picks. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Well, they did have Kyrie and LeBron. Yeah, and they drafted both of them. But uh, right, that that organization I would compare to the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> well, I'll take it if the Reds can somehow um, buy one like that. Yeah, or whatever they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll take it. They won in 1990. It's been a while, and, and I guess uh, 
Barry Larkin was a hometown. I'm looking at a, a Barry Larkin pennant. He went to Moore High School, I think, mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, and he came up, and then he played for the Reds and won the World Series. So somewhat similar to what they did in 1990 to LeBron James and the Cavs winning it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's different. It's a whole different animal. Sports are awesome. I love sports. Um, but they're all kind of inherently different. And, and I heard Rogan describe it. I think it was Rogan recently saying MMA is just different. It was because of, did you see that with um, Matt? Who's the guy, the immortal Matt Brown. Oh yeah. yeah. He was talking to Matt Brown yeah. and there was a clip of Snoop Dogg talking crap about Connor as Connor was fighting Floyd. Snoop right. was saying some really mean things about Connor and Connor and everybody in the MMA community was like, Snoop Dogg, who the hell are you, man? Yeah. Right. So Matt Brown came out and said, he better hope I don't see him. <laughs> yeah. And, Matt, and Snoop Dogg had to be thinking like, damn, what did I do? I got this. Yeah. Uh, well, he did the same thing again with Darren Till, I think. He did. So, yeah. so what, what that prompted, and the reason I'm mentioning it now, is he's saying MMA is not really a sport. What do you think of that? Um, I think he said it, it's different. It's life. This yeah. is life and death. You can't do that. Right. Yeah. That's I, so disrespectful. That almost transcends any other sport. Right. Yeah. I, I agree because, you know, I think uh, in a way, you know, mixed martial arts is like the ultimate sport because it's the most physical and mental challenge. I think that you could present yourself with is trying to solve the, the problem of another person trying to kick your ass, you know, which is that's pretty intense. You know, um, when I'm playing other sports, you know, injury is possible but it's not like guaranteed you know like it's (laughs) not guaranteed yeah you know it's it's a lot less likely i'm going to come out unscathed than you know with with some bumps and bruises so i think in that sense that you know martial arts and mixed martial arts especially is like the ultimate sport but at the same time it's it's on a different level as far as you know i mean what we do inside the cage translates very nicely into the real world um, whereas, you know, if you're ever in a confrontation, I, I don't <laughs> think your crossover fadeaway is really going to keep you, <laughs> you know, keep you out of trouble. So, um, that's a you great know, point. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, when you, when you get these guys, these, um, these couch warriors that are watching the NBA and they're saying, well, I, you know, I could probably, you know, I could do this. I could do that. Well, play defense. You know, I would at least be playing defense. Yeah. Yeah. He just broke his ankles right there in the paint, bro. You know, but, um, <laughs> You know when when you when you do <laughs> this about uh, when you do this about martial arts, you know it's you gotta you gotta be honest with yourself, man. Do you really think that you can do what those guys are doing in there? Probably, probably not. I, you know? I think uh, it's not probably not. It's no. just no. Yeah, no. no. It's Let's hell no. no, hell no. Because if if you could, you'd probably be in there. You know. I, I think uh, Snoop Dogg just needs to shut the hell up. Yeah. Um, I, I think the guy don't know what he's talking about, and yeah. that's such di- so much disrespect. And him speaking out like that. But, yeah. you know. It almost brings up an entirely different topic in that you can yeah. be in, in, in vest, you can be invested in things and be a fan and, and do things or even whatever. Just conduct your life. But um, and you don't always have to be a nice guy or a saint, but there's just respect. That's it. And I don't know. It's a bigger topic, obviously, but I don't know what. I think Snoop Dogg was drunk when he was watching the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight. And then the Darren Till one. Yeah. He he thought Darren Till was Colby Covington because Colby Covington has been a big Trump supporter. And Colby Covington was supposed to fight Tyron Woodley. Right. And so I guess in his. Maybe he was drunk again then, too. And he was saying stuff about Donald Trump. Yeah. 
when he was watching Darren Till, an Englishman. Yeah, <laughs> he can't vote here. <laughs> yeah, he can't vote. Um, so it, he was talking crap about him. So I, maybe it's good. I bet if you ask Dana White, overall, Dana, is it good that uh, Snoop Dogg's being involved in this? Maybe it is for ratings. Yeah. Okay? But it makes Snoop Dogg not look very good. Right. Yeah, I mean, he displayed unsurmountable... Uh, ignorance just in that one video when he's talking about Darren Till you know obviously for a number of reasons where he's talking about he, he got him confused with Covington <laughs> he didn't even know who's fighting but, um, you know he's he's got just enough information to be dangerous because he, yeah. he called it a dart choke which is very close it's dart, a dart did he say dart yeah he said a dart you know, like it's like you're throwing darts. He said that's a dart choke, and it's actually a darts choke. So he's, he, you know, he's got just enough information to be dangerous, but he's just ignorant enough. To, <laughs> if you know what you're talking about, he looks like a fool. But yeah, as far as if we're talking about the growth of the sport, that's kind of it brings it back into the, maybe the Brock Lesnar conversation. If we're talking about the growth of the sport, first and foremost, I'd say exposure is big. Yeah. Okay, so if Snoop Dogg is talking trash about these fighters and making himself sound like an idiot and having <laughs> random guys like Matt Brown talking about kicking his ass now, that that would be scary. I actually met Matt Brown at a Hard Rock show recently. Oh, and, really? Yeah. yeah. And I, I mentioned that to him. Like, I got That's a fun. kick out of you calling out Snoop Dogg. And he laughed a little <laughs> bit. Um, but it's good for the exposure. So, I mean, there's yeah. a it's a double-edged sword because you have – and what I'm trying to describe is um, maybe we have certain fighters who are ready for a title shot in the UFC. Mm. They've Their style maybe isn't the most exciting, but they've been winning, and they're warranted a shot at the title. Yeah. Uh, there's probably someone in the heavyweight division who diver- deserved a title shot over Derek Lewis yesterday, for example. Yeah, agree, yeah. But because of the exposure, because of the marketing, right. they, Dana White and the UFC says, okay, we're going to allow this guy to get the title shot because that's what the fans want to see. So, I mean, it's right. good to a degree. Right. There will always be issues. We were describing the, the uh, lack of parity in certain sports. Mm-hmm. Inherently, every sport's going to have obstacles. Boxing has been going through very similar um, obstacles that MMA is experiencing now, but they've been doing it for a few hundred years now. So right. boxing is kind of, I'm not saying it's better or more... Um, advanced but it's a little it's just different i don't know that the ufc will really always rule everything the way they are now right yeah i think the roots in boxing run uh deeper than than with mixed martial arts because it's such a new sport you know so they've had a little bit more time to kind of interweave and kind of network what what they're doing and what they've got going on but i think with the birth of of mma and its popularity i think it's making boxing kind of changed their game a little bit okay you know i think that um they're having to take a serious look at the format and and trying to see you know i think it's it again it's all about money i think those guys are trying to see how can we how can we capitalize on this how can we make the best gain from it you know which i guess if you're trying to make money that's what it's all about. are you a boxing fan you said your dad was a boxing fan and helped you know kind of introduce you to boxing early are you a fan of boxing for example uh Saturday, December 2nd, I think it is, um, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder fight. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. That's yeah. going to be a good one. Now, you know, with boxing, again, it's not something that I sit down and watch, like, religiously. But if it's on, I'm going to watch it. If sure. it's a big fight, I'm going to watch it. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I think that's going to be a really good one. Great stuff we have our man Brandon Bishop in studio with us. He is headlining the Hard Rock MMA 104 card, which is Friday, November 30th. 
in Elizabethtown. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Chris Embry. The Oxmore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line is 502-384-1450. We would love to hear from you, love your input on anything we're talking about this morning. College football, uh, parody among sports, um, MMA, boxing, whatever it is you want to chime in on we would love to hear from you we're going to head to the buzz line now where we have our man marcus marcus how are you this morning well i'm, I'm doing pretty well i mean you know i've had a, a pretty nice week uh so far and i expect to sports wise continue to have a pretty nice week through the rest of today what what, what are you what sports are you referring to marcus well i'm referring to the american pastime baseball where the red sox won yet another world series championship and then had yet another parade on Wednesday. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty good week for me right there, but I'm pretty certain that the Patriots are going to put the Green Bay Acme, you know, sackers in their place with their, uh, you know, sexually, sexually questionable quarterbacks sexually uh, this evening on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. So let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. The Red Sox won the World Series, and you are happy about this. The Red Sox won over 100 games. How many games did they win this year, Marcus, in the regular season? 100, 119. 108 in the regular season and 11-3 and three in the playoffs. All right, so this is a historically great Boston Red Sox team that just won the World Series. How many years has it been since we've seen a team this great, Marcus? And, I mean, what, what, what teams are they in the territory of from a historical perspective? Well, I'd say it's been 20 years since we saw a team that was probably better than the Red Sox because the 1998 Yankees, you know, I don't even like to refer to them as anything other than the dirtbags, but you got to give that team credit. They won 120-something games, if I'm not mistaken, and the World Series. So it's hard to argue with putting them in the conversation as one of the greatest baseball teams of all time, and I wouldn't even try to. Other than that, I mean, you're going to have to go back a significant distance in time to... uh, find somebody else as good as this team. So now now just off the top of my head, obviously that Yankees team in ninety eight had Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, Mario Rivera, probably uh Mike Mussina. Uh was Roger Clemens on that team? I, you know, I feel like he was, but I'm not sure. He might have been pitching for Toronto at that time. Okay. Uh but, you know, any glory that Rocket the Roger uh, gets, you know, he well-deserved. So, I hope he was. Okay. Well, uh, Marcus, you mentioned that the, the Red Sox being historically significant with winning the World Series after winning so many games. You said 119 total games. Mookie Betts is their best player. Is that accurate? Yes, I, I think he is. Uh, but, you know, I read an interesting article uh, not too long ago where a guy made an excellent argument that while Betts is the best player probably in baseball, almost certainly on the Red Sox. You might have to give the MVP award to J.D. Martinez because the Red Sox had basically the exact same roster last season. They won the American League East, won, you know, 94, 93, 95 games right in that neighborhood, so had significantly fewer wins, won one game in the postseason, and then got flushed out. So you bring in J.D. Martinez, they win 108 in the regular season, and then they win the World Series. So if that's the only change in your lineup and you win the World Series, it's hard to argue with that guy not being the most valuable player, uh, period, in baseball, because nobody else made that kind of difference. 
Okay. Now, you, you said that the, the Patriots... All right, so we'll transition. We'll stay with the Boston team. But the Patriots play today. How amazing are the Patriots that they are looking as good as they are now? I mean, does Tom Brady not age? I mean, what what's going on there? Well, I, I don't know, but let's be honest. If they could, you know, sell this formula, if Bill and, and Robert and Tom could get together and write a tell-all book about how they've dominated the NFL for 18 years, other teams would buy it and, and you know, and just try and implement it. But let's be honest. The Patriots export players. They trade guys away. They never seem to do as well elsewhere. Uh, they bring guys in that didn't do elsewhere and suddenly do better with the Patriots. So I, I don't know what it is. I'm just enjoying it because I, you know I put this on the air. This is the year I expected the Patriots to uh, just regress and, and not really have that great a season and have tend to be setting up for next year uh, more so than this year. But, you know. I'm happy to be wrong. All right. So outside of the world of the NFL, outside of uh, Major League Baseball, what else has you intrigued in the world of sports right now? Any any well, in, interest well, I, in the NBA? I mean, what, what's going on, Marcus? Uh, this, there was one undefeated team in the NBA, right? Milwaukee and then Boston beat them. So okay. it looks like the Celtics are going to have a good year. No surprise there. Uh, but really, one of the reasons I was inspired to call, I hear all these people calling in going, Fireball at Petrino, I don't know why he still has a job. Let me ask all these witless crackers. You want Bobby Petrino fired, how about your boss fires you? Okay. Right? <laughs> because let's be honest, the guy's having a bad year. <clears throat> okay. Actually, let's be honest, he's having a bad September, October, and early November. So if anybody can call in and say, hey, I've never had a three-month stretch where I did a crap job at my job, that's why Bobby deserves to be fired. Otherwise, sh- shut up and sit down. Go fire yourself, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. And, and all these fantasies about, oh, let's just go pick a coach. Hey, let's be honest. Louisville football is just like every other program that is not an elite program. It's nice when you have a sustained period a period of success and competition, right? You had that with John L. Smith. You had a brief glimpse of it with Howard Schnellenberger, but I still got to hear Louisville fans talking about, well, man, we won the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, 30 years ago when the Fiesta Bowl was a second-tier bowl and seven other teams declined to go because they didn't, because Arizona wouldn't honor Martin Luther King Day. And you beat the worst Alabama team in history. Okay? Let's have some perspective. You know, you, you, Howard Schellenberger left, you hired, who was it? Ron Cooper? Train wreck. So you had to start over with your program with John L. Smith. Little people like to pretend like there's this been string of, of steady progress. Anybody remember Steve Crapthorpe? That's a good point. I mean, what a joke, right? So, so let, let's give Bobby, unless Bobby Petrino, if, he, if this happens again next year, okay, probably time to go. Let's give the man a chance to clean house. Right, straighten up his program and get things turned around. Most schools do not have extended runs of high end success, and the and the problem I think with Louisville fans is if Louisville was only going to let's let's say they just slipped to six and six this year, you'd hear the same crap out of them. Oh, fire Bobby, fire Bobby, get Jeff Brom. Well, you don't have the money to get Jeff Brom, and you cut your best, most worthy. Booster, the guy who could have just stepped in and said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll write two checks. 
I'll write you a check to, to pay off Bobby, and I'll write you a check to buy out Jeff Brom, and we'll get this deal done. But the idiot woman that you guys hired to be the president down there unilaterally decided to cut John Schneider off at the knees, right, take his name down off the stadium. As far as I'm concerned, they can lose the next 45 games they play over that. Okay. Marcus, as and always. And Blue to call in as a Kentucky fan and say that he thinks Bobby Petrino ought to quit. Hey, dude, be careful what you wish for, brother. What if they hire somebody that starts beating Kentucky eight, nine times, eight, nine, ten times in a row again? Okay. As always, Marcus coming in hot. I think we can say that. Marcus, thank you so much for your call. Um, have a great rest of your weekend. We hope to hear from you next Sunday, Marcus. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Golly, Marcus has a lot of fire in him. Doesn't he, Chris? Yeah, that was pretty good, man. My goodness. We've got a lot to touch on. We're going to head to a break. We appreciate everyone tuning in to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I am Kelly Patrick. We've got Chris Embry, Chris the producer, running the boards over there for us. We are joined in studio today by Brandon Bishop. Brandon will be hard, uh, headlining Hard Rock MMA 104 Friday, November 30th in Elizabethtown. Be sure to stay tuned for more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW. As always, I am Kelly Patrick, joined by Chris Embry. Today in studio, we have Brandon Bishop talking all things in the world of sports, as always. But with Brandon here, we're kind of previewing Hard Rock MMA 104, which is Friday, November 30th in Elizabethtown, which, you know, Vanessa and Brandon Higdon, that's where they where they live. So this is a 10-year anniversary. It's a real significant event. And Brandon is matched up against a guy he's familiar with. What are you looking for? How long has it been since you last fought um, um, your opponent? And, 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 and what, what's changed over that time? Has it been six years since you and Braden Ward fought each other? Yeah. I believe and went through the yeah. cage door? Yeah, I believe it's been six years already. So it's... Um it's been almost a blink of an eye to me, but it, it seems like a long time ago, too. You don't want to show your hand too much. You don't want to right. say, well, I know that he hasn't been doing this as much, right. and I've really developed this way. Right. Um, but what can you tell us tactically about the matchup? Um, well, I know that, that he's come a long way. I've uh, been watching him in his career the whole you know the whole way. Um, so I know that, that I'm going to have to deal with some different problems than I had to deal with last time, and I've got some workarounds for that. Uh, been working specifically in some in wrestling areas and um, you know so that shouldn't come as a surprise I don't think I'm letting any cats out of the bag there that um, that I need to work on my wrestling so that's something I've been trying to concentrate on but um, you know I just want to I want to meet him with um, some intensity I want to give him some problems to have to work through early on and then you know we'll, we'll just kind of see where it goes from there so you know I don't want to tell you exactly you don't want to go beyond that that's okay but, you know, that's fair but yeah i think i think if i just uh if i come in hot give him a lot of pressure early on you know i'll just kind of see how he reacts and then i'll just kind of work around that so i, I think you know i mean without sounding cocky i think that um you feel good about this i fight. feel i feel good about it i think that um in all the areas that he can cause me a problem i think i've 
correctly address those. So, you know, I feel like I, I should be able to win the majority of the aspects of the fight. You, you look know. good in your last fight against Holmes. Thank you. Yeah, and, you know, I felt good coming into that fight. You know, I felt confident. I'd been working uh, extremely hard, and hopefully that showed in the fight, you know. But um, Holmes was an accomplished wrestler from, you know, Pennsylvania, I believe, is where he was from, which is a great state for wrestling. So I knew that I had my work cut out for him. And, um, you know, my initial strategy was to try and keep distance and strike from the outside. And um, I made a few mistakes that, uh, you know, kind of killed that game plan early on for me. So I had to call an audible, you know, halfway through the fight. When, when you find yourself on the ground with a wrestler, you gotta you got to have a sense of urgency to get out of there pretty quick, you know. So um, I had to implement plan B, which was to try and kind of neutralize his wrestling by keeping him pressed against the cage. And, and luckily for me, that worked out. So, um Unfortunately, I think he had a previous knee injury that um, was bothering him during the fight, so he wasn't able to um, come out for the second round. So that's how that one ended, um, you know, which is not obviously an ideal way for, for me to win a fight. You know, I hate that, uh, that he was injured that way, and, you know, I would have liked to have finished the fight, but it is what it is. You know, I'll take a win. So, Also on the card is a guy you're familiar with, Rob Mooney. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing him fight. I've never been on – well, I've never seen him outside of his ref's uniform, so this will be interesting. He's a, uh, for those of our, our listeners who don't know, Rob Mooney is an Elizabethtown guy. Um, he's the ref. Chris, you know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's, so, yeah, he's not going to be ref in this card. He's going to be fighting. He's actually going to be fighting on it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he says, you know, he's 35 years old. He said this is going to be his last fight, but, I mean, he, he's a, a, a very accomplished college wrestler. I mean, he, he's a very accomplished cage fighter yeah which i didn't know um until recently you know i just knew always knew him as the referee you know and then i saw that he was going to be fighting on the card and i contacted ignan about it and he was like yeah he used to fight back in the day and i was like oh wow okay cool so that's that's going to be a little treat for me his record is three and one as a pro ten and one as an amateur wow so i mean it's not like he's jumping in there just like like if i were to Right. Not, not like that. Yeah. To some people, though, they see him and they're like, but you can look at him and see his cauliflower ear. Yeah. And you're yeah, like, you this know guy knows something. Yes. Yeah. So he, he's going to be in there fighting uh, uh, Alexia Tunin. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I actually don't know him. I've never seen him fight. I saw him fight Ricky Jones Jr. I did commentated his fight, oh, okay. uh, main event. Uh, last time we were in, I think, Bowling Green. Oh, okay. He came in from Florida and he beat Ricky Jones Jr. in the main event. And <laughs> wow. Um, he, you were there, Chris. Yeah. You were there. You remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah, the main event. He Ricky had a, an injury. I think it was. I forget the exact injury, but um, so Atunin did release like a smack talking video on YouTube. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah. We so have I mean, to look that, it up now. It's always funny to follow it because obviously there's the UFC and there's boxing and there's all these big sports nationally and internationally, but on the local level, when smack talk gets involved, it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's always entertaining for me because I know at least one of the parties involved, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, we'll all three be there Friday, November 30th in Elizabethtown. Um, Marcus actually texted in after his call and said he, he wants to inquire about figuring out how to go to the event because he, he yeah. said that he was very impressed with, you know, you sound good, Brandon, oh, uh, on the air. And, you know, Thanks, he said Marcus. A very good guest as far as uh, one of our loyal, longtime listeners goes. Cool, I appreciate that. Yeah, he would definitely enjoy the uh, matches. It, it's a very unique, if you've never been to one, uh, to an MMA fight. Definitely entertaining. Uh, 
it's entertaining even if you don't train jujitsu. Yes. Right? Or if you don't train boxing, right? Yeah. Well, I've had yeah, several people that, you know, have nothing to do with martial arts that have attended my fights just because, you know, they're friends of mine or know me and they're some of the most excited people in the crowd because it's so exotic to them that they're like, Oh wow, this is crazy. I can't believe you do this, you know. So they, they end up being some pretty hardcore fans. You know? Who is the senator? McCain, who just passed away. Yeah. yeah. He had famously said, I don't remember the year or anything. It's human cockfighting and it's yeah. disgusting and all that. So there's some people still, and a lot of them within my family that I talk mm-hmm. to, and they're like, It's disgusting. You know, it's yeah. it's this, it's that, it's barbaric or anything like that. Yeah. And to a degree, maybe it is, uh, but to think that it's not skill right? In, in hard work that translates into the success even on the ground, you know, stuff yeah. like that. The stuff, uh, the casual fan who's never really maybe trained or something wants to see a boxing match pretty much. Yeah, yeah. they, you know. Because their grandfather people, was a boxing fan. Yeah, they like to see blood a lot of times, you know, but I think a better word to describe it is primal. I think that that's, that's a little bit better than... Um, you know, brutal or horrific, I think, as some people like to describe it. Um, it is very primal, you know, but at the same time, I think that's the draw for us, you know, especially the fighters. So know? someone says, God, it's primal. You say, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and, I, any other questions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have to agree with you. It is. But at the same time, that's, that's the draw to it because a lot of times as, you know, domesticated humans in a society, we, we really get taken away from our our primal ancestry and I think it's important to get out into nature and you know camp and hunt and fight and do all the things that humans were meant to do as primitives you know what I mean and sure. it kind of it, it gets you back to what's really important you start okay. to figure those things out great stuff uh here on the weekend sports Buzz, we want to thank Brandon Bishop for joining us yeah, this thanks. morning thank you for having me it's been great uh, for Chris Embry, I am Kelly Patrick. Be sure to join us next Sunday from 9 a.m. until 11 a.m. We'll be back. Have a great week, everybody.